Nashville can quickly restart. Fafa Pico, a chip over the top, and he scored! Fafa's first goal in gold! Nashville SC earns its first road victory of the season in Orlando, a team the boys in gold are very familiar with. Credit to 104.5 The Zone for the opener from Fafa Pico, not just for this match, but for his account in gold. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC. Coverage from the two people who have covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. Home from San Diego and recording this a day and a half late, I'm Wes Bowling. And I am Tim Sullivan, uh, also home from San Diego. But I, when I was in San Diego, it was like 15 years ago. <laughs> I need to go back. San Diego's sick. I love San Diego. It's great. I, You know what? I didn't realize. It was way longer than that. It was when I was in high school. It was like 25 years ago. <laughs> Don't date yourself like that. It's 10, <laughs> 10 years ago, we were both in high school, right? We're young. Just like that's the party. We are young. It is amazing, though, to to come back and realize how humid it is here in uh, in Nashville after you <laughs> sit in, in warm and dry San Diego for uh, for six days, go to SeaWorld, get splashed by the dolphins, all that all that good stuff. It's a fun two year old so getaway. It was, but also, it, was uh, it was wet there too. Then it, it was, but it was <laughs> not permeating the air in a way that made you want to scream. Uh, it was it was lovely. Didn't get to go to a loyal match, by the way, while I was out there, unfortunately. Tough. Big miss. Have to go back then, I guess. Uh, but I'll tell you what. I was able to catch the uh, Nashville SC match, the win in Orlando, another humid locale, another warm locale with the SeaWorld. Um, Hani Mukhtar assisting Fafa Pico, and then he gets on the score sheet for the first time this year, finishing off the Shackmore through ball to provide the insurance goal. Joe Willis made six saves, another strong performance from the keeper to earn Nashville's fourth clean sheet in six games. And really, Tim, it was a night that Nashville really needed. Um on the pitch, obviously, after a two-game losing streak, and then the morale boost for the city, uh, a moment of distraction perhaps for many of us after such a difficult week in Music City. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot sports are going to do to to, to heal such significant no. wounds, but from a, from a sporting perspective, they, they did everything they could, and it was a classic Nashville road performance. The focus, uh, as it so often is when this Nashville team goes on the road, was on not conceding, and when you get that first goal somewhere on the margins. And this one was as much on the margin as they come from a quickly taken set piece that Hani Mukhtar uh, struck from Nashville's own end of midfield. Um, you bide your time to find a chance to, to put it away. And they did exactly that. Shout out, by the way, to Chris Hull for the DM right after that first goal. He said, what was the game where Alex Wheel had the quick restart um, and Nashville scored on the road? And it was 2020. And he identified this 2020 Montreal, almost an identical play and the 1-0 win at Red Bull Arena uh, when uh, Nashville had the quick restart again there. It was Mwil Dahani, I believe, who scored that goal. Um, it was uh, it was great. It, it was I honestly ex- don't remember this at all. Shout out to you, Chris, for having a much better memory than me. Well, it was in that stretch of 2020 where, of course, fans weren't there. It's, it's at Red Bull Arena against Montreal, so that's also weird. And then it was two games a week, so they really just hit mm-hmm. hard and fast at that point. My question here, as we get into the show... Was this the Nashvilleiest road result ever? And by that, of course, I mean conceding possession to the opponent on the road in areas that you're comfortable with them having the ball, not allowing them to do anything really significant, although Joe Willis did, again, bail out the team just like he did last week, and then picking one or two moments on the counter and in the attack to strike and succeeding in shutting down the opponent and scoring when you get the chance. For me, this defined what Nashville wants to do on the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
I will say it's probably not the Nashvilleiest result ever uh, on the road, but um, and we will talk in a moment about something that's super Nashville about it. But um, this year so far, yeah, definitely. Um, I think especially if you consider the opener a set piece goal, it was kind of a weirder set piece goal because it was not a corner kick or a free kick in a dangerous area. It was a free kick in a very non-dangerous area that just turned into danger. But the second also didn't come on a, on a true counter. It was is more of a build. I give it eight Garys out of 10. Uh, so it, it was pretty nashville but not the nashville I'll give you a couple other candidates for the nashville that just immediately came to mind. This is without researching. This is just in the memory bank from years of covering this team. Atlanta away in 2021, when Atlanta has, you know, like a ridiculous amount of possession. Daniel Rio scores before halftime. The boys in gold earn a 2-0 win, really against the the run of play. That's one. And then Columbus away last year actually is a pretty nice parallel, too, mm-hmm. in that Nashville was coming in on a two-game losing streak, as they were this past weekend. Alex Wheel scores, in this case, an early goal. It was on the counter, assisted by Taylor Washington. And then the boys in gold hold on against uh, the two guys who you expect to score. (laughs) Exactly. Of course (laughs) it was, it was then a robust assault by Columbus in that second half and Nashville Mm -hmm. survived. And, and this felt similar, obviously Nashville gets the insurance goals they did in Atlanta a couple of years ago in that example, but, uh, but breaks the two game losing skid by going back to what it does best Tim. I think it was encouraging and, and not one I think most people counted as three points going in. One that I think most people would say, hey, a draw is a pretty good result. So these feel like a couple bonus points for Nashville. Yeah, absolutely. Orlando had been uh, one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference so far this season. And yes, this Nashville team can go and compete with anybody on the road. But to take a win and to take uh, what looks like a resounding win on the scoreboard, and we'll get into why it may or may not be <laughs> quite quite that it's it's you can't ask for anything more and it. it's i think it's a statement of intent from this nashville team as well today we're going to get into it uh and you know it's it's fun to look back on nashville's history with orlando because in nashville's time in mls orlando has been good pretty much every year good to great mm-hmm. really i would say great might be a stretch most years but at least a good team uh, unlike the doldrums that they were uh they were in for the first few years of their history and yet nashville has a strong History against the Lions. We'll get into that. Plus, a statistical performance that had a notable touch coming from a, a really good conversation that that we had with a friend of the pod, Steve Cavendish. Uh, we used that to go a couple different places there. Uh, a preview of Toronto, as uh, Bob Bradley's group knows how to do one thing, and that's draw. But this week they won, so maybe they do know how to do things, uh, at least more than <laughs> one. Maybe they do know how to win. Uh, they're still trying to find themselves. Can they find themselves in Nashville a la their 4-2, I believe it was, 4-3 win against the boys in gold at Jodas Park late last year? And then we'll go outside in. CCL is back. We know a little bit about what's going on there, plus uh, a quick discussion uh, in our Rocket City space. TBD on the name again, but none of you have suggested anything better. Uh, but first, Tim ML Rose uh, was, was fortunate to go there uh, very recently and got the Belgian burger. And I got to say... Um, another thing here, I went, I went to another, um, burger chain that is very popular in the West coast while I was in San Diego, I won't name it, but it has something to do with ingress and egress. <laughs> and, uh, I, I had their signature burger, which is, you know, on the secret menu, you get it. An yeah. I was going to say, did you order off the menu or did I, you, uh, I did the whole did secret the menu thing, thing where you, yeah. but, not, but the one everybody knows, right. The not the, yeah. the worst kept secret. Uh, and yeah. that was getting the burger animal style, which I believe is the inspiration for the NML burger and ML Rose mm-hmm. animal. Yeah. You, you guys get it. Uh, I got to say ML roses is better and it's not close. And I love in and out. I, there's a first place we went, 
getting to getting out of the airport. We drove through. It was great. ML Roses is just better quality unquestioned. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, we talk a lot about how there are um, six current ML Rose locations, but it's not a, it's not a big chain. It's not something that uh, you can you can expect the sheer volume of the of the number of locations to kind of diminish the overall quality. Um, each of the ML Rose locations is is um, you know given the care that you would expect from a from a hole in the wall shop that's that's owned by somebody locally because they are owned locally and it's something that um, as we as we uh, you know we're looking for people when we very first started this podcast when we were looking for people to sponsor us. We wanted to find a sponsor that was locally owned and and operated like a locally owned, uh, you know, I guess there are franchises, but they operated like a locally owned business. And and we're so happy that, uh, you know, that they they live up to that every time we go. Looking at the schedule to determine whether I will be able to go Saturday night. I'm traveling early next week, so we'll see. But if so, I will be at ML Rose beforehand, hoping to be able to make it. So look for you guys at the 8th Avenue location before Saturday's kickoff against Toronto. And he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a genius. You know, if he, if he was in any other walk of life, he'd it, be, it'd be creating new light bulbs and, you know, you know, probably another way to create electricity or something. He's, he's just such an intelligent lad. He sees things, he sees things quicker than a, a lot of other people. Gary Smith weighs in on Hani Mukhtar's brilliance as Hani gets on the score sheet first goal of the year to go with an assist and already his third primary assist. Uh, I love I love the idea uh, of of thinking about what Hani would be doing if he wasn't playing soccer and and the the genius line it's it is genius from Gary Smith to be able to 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 describe the brilliance with which Hani uh, operates on the pitch. And Tim, if Hani starts cooking, Nashville can really build on a, a good start that I think most of us would say isn't necessarily a great start. Things could become great pretty quick. Yeah, and what's uh, one thing that's kind of interesting is is Nashville has yet to play a game in which both teams scored. So if Hani really gets going, um, clearly there are going to be shutouts for the, the remainder of the, uh, I guess, 28 regular season games to see this year. Um, a, a downright elite defense is, is going to get some game state help when Hani starts pouring in the goals or starts... Uh, I don't know, generating ways to turn on the lights at Chiota Spark or something, but um, obviously we're not we're not far off from a game in which both teams score. But if Hani gets going, NSC can can kind of start outscoring teams in open games and take the wins in defensive battles, the likes of which we've already seen a couple times this year, including on Saturday night. In just a moment, we'll explain why a clean sheet between Nashville and Orlando is a very notable accomplishment. But first, let's get into our gold nuggets and talk about Nashville's performance against the run of play. And as previewed a minute ago, the origin of this conversation comes from a text message that we got from good friend of the show, Steve Cavendish, editor of the Nashville Banner, co-host of Lamestream Sports, also on the 440 Sports Network. He reached out and asked... Two goals on 0.44 XG. He says, I wonder where that falls on the all-time list. That's got to be up there for a multi-goal game. Yeah, I I dug into the the old record books. I headed to AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. So they had a slightly different XG number as um, Opta's official numbers. I put a little bit less trust in. They had uh, Nashville, I think, at 0.58. I don't even think I (laughs) I wrote it down, but... um, just looking at last year, which is what I what I responded to Steve immediately after the game, uh, Portland Timbers scored seven goals on 2.81 expected goals one time um, last season. And um, obviously, 
when you score a ton of goals, it's it's you're often going to overachieve your expected goals by uh, a lot, but maybe by four total total goals over expected is is a lot. And Colorado scored five on one point five four expected goals in a five four win over Red Bulls last year too. That's another overachievement, but it's not going from uh, from, from tiny little xG values. Those are still pretty healthy xG values in terms of the lowest expected goals. Uh, value to to end up scoring multiple times to convert multiple times. Sporting Kansas City got a pair in a two one win in Nashville last year. You guys may recall it was when Sporting Kansas City was uh, at the nadir of their season, and it was a pretty <laughs> rough loss for Nashville to see at home. Yeah, and that um, that Graham Zuzi strike from like twenty six mm-hmm. yards out was mm-hmm. yeah probably point zero six, and and it was a goal that was devastating. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, another one uh, on the multiple goals, a tie for Columbus. Uh, they tied 2-2 in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, D.C. United last year was the kings of of letting teams overachieve their expected goals, but also the kings of, of giving up a lot of expected goals. That was on point four three. Um, And in a losing effort, Charlotte lost 3-2 in Miami on 0.32 expected goals. So they did... Um, you know, again, the game state probably makes it a little bit easier to to overachieve um, because of the way the opponent is playing. Going back through the entire ASA uh, XG database, uh, as I did um, very, very wisely because I spend my time like a smart guy <laughs> in 2017, the Galaxy actually scored three times on 0.36 expected goals. Um, which is obviously uh, even lower than Nashville's expected goals, and they scored an additional goal. In 2021, Portland scored twice on 0.38 in a win over LAFC. Um, For away games, the Galaxy scored two on 0.19 expected goals in a draw at the Union in 2016. And for away wins, Orlando beat Columbus uh, 2-0 on 0.29 back in 2019. Ultimately, what we saw on Saturday night, as I just list a bunch of numbers, that's good radio for you, is the 22nd lowest expected goals while scoring multiple times in a road win. Um, for what it's worth, two of those of those road wins were were two one wins against Nashville, uh, one for Sporting Kansas City, as I just mentioned above, and another one for Atlanta. In I believe it was the might have been the very that's, first that's game the for the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only two one win for Atlanta in Nashville. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so the twenty second lowest xG while scoring multiple goals in a road win. That is not that is the most baseball stat I've ever come. Up I was with. about to say <laughs> sponsored by Elias Sports Bureau. Um, yeah, has got a got a future working for uh, for the MLS uh, equivalent of that. I suppose uh, that was that was awesome. So so essentially to boil that down. Not historic, historic, but certainly noteworthy for Nashville SC to be able to to outperform XG in that way and and get a win away from home. Fair, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're there are going to be statistical quirks all the time. the The fact of the matter is, the way Nashville plays, you're going to get some um, that that second goal, especially on the road, in a when you are holding a one zero lead, is going to come from a from a either a really really good chance or a really, really a low XG chance that happens to get a, a worldy finish as Hanius was on Saturday evening. All right, Steve, that'd better be your content recommendation on uh, Lane Stream <laughs> this week. There's a lot of effort, uh, Tim. That's really great stuff. Uh, elsewhere in our Gold Nuggets, Joe Willis's six saves tied his season high, which he also accomplished the previous week against Cincinnati. They were his most in a shutout 
since the 14 save performance in the season finale that's included a included a penalty against LAFC. Wesley Bryant asks, why isn't Joe getting more respect for his play league wide? Uh, before you go off, Tim, here, I'll say <laughs> classic Tim that, rant incoming. <laughs> I, yep. I, I see the word rant here in your uh, in, in brackets. I think it's partially because, and I mean, I don't know what you're going to say. I've not read your full response here, but I, I think part of it is he's he's set the expectation that he's going mm-hmm. to do these types of things, and and two, Nashville often gets credit for its defense as a unit and not yeah. just the keeper bailing them out. Those are my two quick answers. Now, rant away. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rant about the team of the week, and it was frankly, uh, we're always happy to, to see Walker Zimmerman make the team of the week, but he was not the deserving member of Nashville's defensive effort from Saturday evening. When you look at who did make team of the week, Dane St. Clair, uh, did a super nice job watching shots fly past him and hit the crossbar (laughs) instead of go in. Uh, he, he got a shutout. Yes. Uh, he had one somewhat impressive save on a shot from outside the box. Uh, but, but it was not a, a super good performance. He didn't face a lot of rubber and and the, the rubber that he did face was essentially going to score if <laughs> regardless of, of his effort there. But for Stefan Fry to make the team of the week bench is, is I, I don't even understand it over Joe Willis. And, and the reason this is important is, is players get paid a bonus by the league when they make team of the week or when they make team of the week bench. Uh, I don't remember what the, the values are anymore. I think it's only like 500 bucks for making team of the week. It is not changing these guys' lives, but it is it is also something that that they should get right a little bit too. Fry uh Fry was on the team of the week bench and he allowed a goal that was 100% his fault. Like he he would get an assist on the score sheet if 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 you were allowed to. He he matched Joe with six saves, but uh when the seventh one goes into the net because it's your own damn fault, then maybe you shouldn't be on the team of the week bench. Um to 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 get into to Wesley's the I guess the meat of Wes's question Willis has not been on the team of the week since week three in 2021 uh, I had it written up I had it written up to for the team of the week post I knew how <laughs> was going to be on team of the week uh, because he came in third and in, yep. in uh, player of the week voting um, I had Joe's written up uh, I actually replaced him with Walker and and when I first published it still had the footnote I love me a footnote in a team of the week post for Joe and I went back and deleted it he's consistently been one of the best keepers in the league and it's weird how frequently they find ways to to not reward him for it. Um, I've I've never seen a keeper make team of the week uh, w- over a guy who had an impressive shutout when the the guy who who makes the bench doesn't have a shutout. <laughs> I've never seen it. Um, I, I it it's probably happened. Uh, I just have not noticed it because Joe Willis wasn't the aggrieved goalkeeper or the or the guy who didn't deserve it. I guess either. But we need justice or just just stash like. Yes, we'll work out. We'll work out. Yes. Just Ash for Joe. <laughs> you know who would agree with that? Coach Beard from Ted Lasso. Yeah, Just Ash Beard facial hair. You got it. Yeah. I, it's, it was a facial hair theme. I got it. Yeah, again, I, just like wasn't wife, good. You, did, you, you unwisely rewarded me for a Just Ash pun. It was great. I, it was <laughs> fantastic. But then I got the response from you that I get from my wife. Hey, did you hear that joke I just made? Yeah, I heard it. Well, you see, see, Wes, what you got to learn to do is is to just go two-footed on over explaining the joke as though the reason she wasn't laughing is that she didn't get it it's a great great bit to punch up your your puns yeah it doesn't work so well at home i can tell you <laughs> we've attempted that we've attempted that uh you know what else has been attempted orlando has attempted to beat nashville sc and they haven't done it now since just after mls is back and, and that includes of course a, a pk shootout that goes down as a draw even though orlando did win the shootout 
Uh, that's seven MLS matches now, eight in all competitions that the Lions have failed to beat the boys in gold. And I think perhaps more impressively, Tim, that's seven points in Nashville's last three league visits to Orlando. We're talking about uh, Decision Day 2020. Uh, a, a draw between those two, and then and then the two 0 win for Nashville this past Saturday. Tim, for this to be a rivalry, I think we would say Orlando is one of the better organic quote unquote rivalries that Nashville has, just given some of the heat that's transpired and some close matches. But for this to really be a rivalry, Orlando should probably win at some point. Yeah, um, I under I understand the trash talk, but <laughs> they they won with a cup a cup on the line, and they ultimately yeah. went on to win the U.S. Open Cup last year too, and that's. Um, I, it, it's kind of the nature of, of some rivalries. Remember LAFC just couldn't beat the galaxy, but they mm-hmm. were the ones racking up, um, supporter shields. Uh, so, you know, there, there are some, uh, some different rivalry barbs that you can fire off at, at your opponent. Uh, and Orlando has one that that's pretty important there, even if they haven't won a league game in, in quite some time against this club. Um, shout out to Daryl DK's mummy celebration. I will always, uh, <laughs> I will always remember that. And I will always, uh, appreciate it because it was very funny but yeah it's it's um it's a weird one geographically because uh florida isn't in the south even though it's south of of the south um and so the atlanta orlando one feels a little bit more natural because georgia and florida are adjacent to each other but um yeah i i think uh it'll be interesting to see if orlando fans because they're kind of flanked by atlanta and miami embrace nashville because i think nashville is is very willing to Everybody in the league can be a rival, but we'll see. We'll see if Orlando wants to reciprocate. Certainly, the team doesn't want to on the field. Here's a fun fact, though: uh, both teams had previously scored in every match they played against each other. The average goals per game around three, so not like this is a. Well, that was that was pre 2023 when, as it I was already mentioned, then that just doesn't happen in Nashville games. Apparently not, and that's why <laughs> it's noteworthy for Nashville this year, and it's noteworthy for the for the rivalry. This is the first time that's ever happened. A clean sheet. Uh, and and I don't think we would have had Nashville with a multi-goal clean sheet win on the road at Orlando as the one to break that spell. And, and yet here we are. Uh, so that's just a fun fact to close out this part of the discussion. First time either team has ever earned a clean sheet against the other. Uh, one more note here, Luke Hawkinson earning his first start on the wing. What'd you see from Luke's play? Anything that encourages you or discourages you regarding his likelihood of contributing decent minutes this year? Probably a spot start. Don't think we're going to see him start yeah. 15 or 20 games this year. But what'd you think from his play? Yeah, it was it was solid. He's um, it's interesting because he's kind of a poor man's Jacob Schaffelberg at this point, maybe a little bit more technical, but not quite as speedy. But when Hawkinson first came up to the senior team after his loan spell to Charlotte Independence, he was kind of that that late game speed infusion. And now when you have a guy who's often in the starting lineup in Schaffelberg, who's who's much speedier, it it you know what, what is Hawkinson's role? Um, again, he's a little bit more technical, maybe. Um, he has a bit more of a, a physically imposing frame, but um, yeah, I think your your the way you framed it is is pretty accurate. He's not going to be a guy who who gets huge minutes, but seeing that he can contribute and um, be a solid two way player, that's that's the one thing that he's going to be be able to hang his hat on. He's going to have to hang his hat on if he wants to get a lot of playing time. Is doing the defensive work from that position too, and he's he's always done it, so I wouldn't worry about that. But uh, you know, bagging a goal would also would also be solid from a player from his position too. Gonna go get uh, the Tim Hortons K Cup now and fill up my uh, my mug as we move on to Toronto. Uh, yes, we do have Tim Hortons K Cups in hand. They are now available locally. We don't have to in, uh, import them from from Canada on our uh, twice yearly visits. Uh, TFC comes to town. You just uh, go to like Ohio. 
I, think I know Indiana has them. Well, you could say importing from Ohio too. It feels like a different country sometimes. <laughs> um, yes, uh, the the closest to us is in uh, Centerville, Ohio, just north of um, of Cincinnati. Yes, we know that. We've been there many times. Um, for for Toronto FC, it's where Kirk Herb Street is from. I think. I believe well, that's correct. Good talk. <laughs> <laughs> Did not know that was where this was going to go today. Um, <laughs> we got to get that college football angle in there every single time. Always. Every time. Probably won't be the last time on this episode. Um, it, it's draw season north of the border for Toronto, which is interesting for a TFC team that, that seems like they always pack some punch uh, in the attack under Bob Bradley, but are still trying to figure out how to finish off matches and climb the table as we thought they might once Bradley came up there. Uh, TFC lost to DC United in the opener, beat Miami a couple weeks back. The other four matches have all been draws, and that includes going up 2-0 on Charlotte this weekend, uh, Tim, and then losing that lead and drawing 2-2 in what I'm sure was significantly disappointing for them. It just seems like the Toronto story under Bob Bradley so far is promising, expensive, uh, close, and yet still far away from, from what they want to be. Yeah, it's it's been weird because I think most people assumed that Bob would go there and it would suddenly be um, essentially his LAFC team. Um, they certainly have at least as much talent on the field in terms of spend, but... Uh, they they just always seem to be one one step away, one click away. The the difference is that if that one thing does click over the course of the year, all of a sudden you do have um, you know twenty five million dollars in attack, and you do have one of the better keepers in this league who is who is new to the franchise this year. The fact that it hasn't clicked yet uh, is is it's good timing for Nashville to play against this team because I think that eventually over the course of the year they'll click. Um, but it was supposed to happen last year too, and it didn't really happen. And and you know, so we'll so we'll see if it does. And if it if it doesn't, it, is it already time to say Bob Bradley? Sorry, <laughs> it might be. I mean, when you have the the high dollar attack, we'll talk about mm-hmm. in, in a second, and you're not achieving. I think that's a question that's fair. On the back end, meanwhile, they've had a lot of consistency in the eleven center backs. Matt Hedges and Sega Rosted have played. Every minute, Michael Bradley in front of them. Uh, you would expect him to play every minute under his dad and eventually probably move move on to the bench. Sean Johnson behind them. But despite that consistency, that's not always meant quality. The D's been just fine. Uh, 6.5 XG against ranks, 10th in the league, seven goals against tied for 13th. Yeah, it's, you know, that's the thing that um, to underachieve your expected goals defensively when you have a player, um, you know, like Sean Johnson, between the pipes is is questionable, but it's also it it does come down to small sample sizes. We, uh, we are, nobody nobody is more willing to admit that than we are. But um, it, it is a situation where you would expect uh, uh, Michael Bradley at the very least it has been the heartbeat of Toronto FC since he returned to MLS. And um, you know he's he's I, I believe he's younger than me, so I can I can make fun of him for being an old man. But um, you know there are enough players on this team that the, the defense should be playing better. It, it really is that simple. And again, maybe it clicks at some point, but um, for now it just hasn't been good enough. And the attack, uh, meanwhile, I mean money, and that's what you expect from from out every time they're going to spend money they're spending money but they're not money on the field just yet <laughs> um 7.59 xg ranks 12th in mls eight goals uh, tied for second uh, seventh sorry seventh um despite a, a high dollar attack you'd expect to be top five in the league optimally lorenzo and senior 14 million dollar salary almost double the highest second highest player in in the league uh 
and, and Bernadeschi, $6.3 million right there at number four. Um, by the way, that second highest player, Zerdan Shakiri of Chicago at $8 million. But But again, there, partially due to injury, perhaps, uh, but, but also some quality there. It's just not really clicked for this Toronto team in the attack either. Yeah, and you uh, you feel real bad for a team that gives up a 2-0 lead uh, when the first goal, I believe it was the first one, is in Olympico from a corner by Bernadette as well. It was a, a, beautiful, a beautiful goal over the weekend, but um, I think what they're learning is that you, you can't just bring in a bunch of really high-dollar Italians and, <laughs> and min- little miniature Italian guys and have them suddenly be an elite attack. Uh, when you look at what some other clubs have done that 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 have found success, you do need to make sure people are a fit. And I don't necessarily know that um, Bernadeschi and um, Insigne aren't going to be a fit, but the, the I think the tactical approach has to be molded around them a little bit better. And, and so far, um, it, it just really hasn't been the case. You know, you know, we can talk about uh, their expected goals not being impressive. Well, when you take into account that uh, one of their goals on the year was essentially a 0.00 expected goals. Um, I, be- I believe the value of an Olympico is less than <laughs> is less than uh, uh, one one hundredth of an expected goal. So it's just it's it's all a weird thing. And again, like I said about the defensive end of the pitch, maybe it just clicks and all of a sudden they're awesome over the course of the year. But at this point, um, again, Nashville's timing for playing them is is what you would like to have. The Public Country Podcast, sponsored by ML Rose. And uh, Tim, I want to propose the optimal pregame um, schedule. And, and I will assume that a majority or at least a good portion of our listeners are part of a supporters group. And, and they have you know wonderful tailgates and opportunities to get together. And so we recommend, of course, that you continue that part of your community. But supplementing that with an ML Rose trip uh, before the match. Here's my proposal for for the ideal pregame experience. Now that I've done this a few times myself, I have no standing compared to most of you to to give the recommendation. But I would say ML Rose three hours before kickoff works pretty well, right? Like make a day of this. It's a Saturday. Get there around 430 for a 730 kickoff. Eighth Avenue location. Again, just a, a quick walk to the stadium. Spend an hour and a half there. Have Have a meal. Have some drinks. And you've still got an hour and a half to get to the tailgate, enjoy that time with, with your friends uh, and, and fellow supporters over there and walk into the stadium when the march begins. Does that work for you? Do you think that's the best way to go? Or or are you more of a, you know what, tailgate before, MROs after because they're open till 1 a.m.? Well, as as listeners know, I, d- I don't have the opportunity <laughs> to drink before games because I'm going to work. But... Okay, put yourself in the supporters' shoes. <laughs> but but for, well, for that from that perspective, ML Rose is great because not only do they have uh, many beers and and the the lovely cocktails that we talk about most weeks, they also have a bunch of stuff that is that is not alcoholic beverages. And whether that's uh, you know a, a lovely soda gun that they have behind the bar, but I'm talking mostly about the food, obviously, and um, it's. It's it's going to make sure that those of you who do partake in a in an adult beverage or two on on match day um, are going to uh, not do so on an empty stomach because ML Rose has a, a ton of options. Um, we've talked about it before, but a, a bunch of vegetarian options, a bunch of lighter options too. I don't think people realize they have a, they have salads. <laughs> this is this is what you, you and I talk about like the fried foods and burgers a lot, but that's not all ML Rose has. That's just what we like the most because uh, they have. Uh, a really strong ability to come up with good menu options and, and a variety of categories. And um, from that perspective, uh, eat 
eat yeah three hours before the game is good you can let it settle while you do have your beer and then you can take that 14 minute and 20 second walk to the stadium and then i don't probably another seven or eight minutes to walk around to the other side of the stadium where the tailgates happen but yeah it's it's uh i'm down with your plan i like it that's what i will plan to do again if i'm able to go saturday but certainly the next time i make it uh ml rose eighth avenue again uh it is going to be crowded if you get there, uh, you know, an hour and a half, two hours out. You want to get there early enough. And Melrose has become the place to go. And uh, thanks to many of you for doing your part to make that happen. Getting into the mailbag, uh, this question just in as we record, I think is a good one from Jared. He says, can NSC win in other ways? Uh, all three wins <laughs> were exactly to the Gary script, but it seems that if the game doesn't go that way, Nashville struggles to adjust or chase a game. And I, I don't think that's a bad point, Jared. Uh, if if Nashville does concede that goal, they have not actually won a game when conceding a goal since I believe May of last year, Tim. How does that change? Yeah, home turf is where it's going to change, right? This team has always been pretty open when they play at home. Um, the issue has been that they weren't very good at home last year. Nissan Stadium. Uh, was a place that they grew very comfortable and they just didn't find that comfort at Geodis Park. I think we all kind of expect them to find it at Geodis Park this year. Now that they've been there a year, they kind of understand what it's about. And that's where you're going to see that sort of change. Winning on the road is is really hard in this league. This is the the greatest uh, home field advantage league of, of any top flight in the world. Um, so I don't think there's any shame in winning that way uh, when you go to Orlando against a team that was really good. But when they do come home, I think you'll see them play more like they did at home last year, but just find more success doing it. And that's how you win a different way. You you are able to play a bit more open soccer and you're taking the game to the opponent. That's not something that we have seen a ton of from this Nashville team so far this year. I think we will once they have a bit of a homestand coming up. As good as Nashville's been defensively, Wesley Bryant makes a great point. He says he's worried about depth on the back line with Gold Cup coming up. He asks, Tim, should I be? Yes. Uh, if Walker Zimmerman <laughs> gets called up, yes, it's, it's going to be trouble for this back line. Um, I know uh, Anthony Hudson, the USMNT interim coach, mentioned that most of the uh, players in Gold Cup are going to be guys coming from Europe. So maybe Walker doesn't get called up. Um, it would be a really weird uh, thing to, to for one to structure your, your roster yeah. that way, unless yeah. you're trying to build uh, towards be taking the interim tag off and becoming the full-time head coach, which I don't think he probably is or should be. But if Walker gets called up, there's not, there's not center back depth. It's, it's a problem that is going to have to be solved. It is. And if Shaq Moore gets called up, it's not as dire along the right flank than as it is in in central defense, but it adds up. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and Shaq, especially as involved as he is in the attack could help be on the way for Nashville when they designate Nick Depew as uh, you know season long injury they are mm-hmm. allowed to supplement the roster by adding an additional player do you think helps on the way what are the rules or are there rules around who that signing can be and when they can make it yeah they so the the MLS transfer window which uh I am pulling up now cuz I don't have it up in front of me is open for a while it goes through uh the 24th of this month so they have um, almost three weeks to to try and find a new signing at the center back position. It, I, I think it's something that they, they essentially have to do unless there is confidence in a guy like Lawrence Wyke coming in and playing uh, at that position. He's a guy who's played both center back and uh, central defensive midfield in his professional career so far, mostly uh, with Atlanta United too. 
Uh, maybe there's enough confidence that Ahmed Longmire has progressed enough in his his couple years as a pro that he could be maybe ready to go. But otherwise, Nashville does open up a roster spot. They open up uh, a senior roster slot, one of those first twenty slots on the on the official roster, and they can add a a player by the twenty fourth because they can. Um, Depew essentially doesn't count against the roster at all anymore. Um, they still have to they still have to pay him, but but they get the roster relief, and so we'll we'll see if if. That happens. I haven't heard any rumblings about it, though, so it'll be uh, something to keep an eye on. All right. Brian Wilson reaches out and asks for our April points predictions for the boys in gold. First, the uh, the games that will be played. Of course, Orlando already win. And then a really tough stretch, Tim. Toronto at home. Again, Toronto is uh, is combustible in both ways, good and bad. Um, <laughs> At NYCFC, LAFC at home, Atlanta United at home from those. I mean... It's hard to, I don't, I don't think Nashville will go undefeated. What do you think? What's going to happen? Yeah, it's, it's a really tough slate, even though three of the four are at home. It's, it's kind of a little mini homestand to have LAFC and Atlanta United as your, your first back-to-back home games. Uh, it's not exactly the easiest no. <laughs> little homestand. I, I, am I crazy for thinking an away game at NYCFC is, is potentially the easiest of this group? Like NYCFC I, is still not clicking, but it's yeah. at, it's at NYCFC. It's it's a it's a devil's bargain there, right? Because that's yeah. a horrible place. It, Nashville's never played at Yankee Stadium. They don't typically mm-hmm. do well their first visit to Quirk. Hey, who, who do you think they are? The freaking Detroit Tigers? <laughs> are they are, are the Tigers good this year? By the way, probably not. Uh, right? No, no, I not. didn't think so. I'm they're a Cubs not. fan though, so. Oh, that's right. That's what. That's where yeah. you stray from your locality. No. Uh, I, I no, I agree with you though. I mean, it's it's the easiest of the group. Um, wait, are you counting Toronto here? Not counting Toronto. Uh, I'm even counting Toronto. I think. really, I think, Ooh. I think. Have you seen how bad NYCFC has has looked? They're not good. So oh, yeah, I saw them in person, of course. But at Yankee Stadium is just weird. Yeah, the team is yeah I mean, that's the thing is, is, and NYCFC is very bad, but that is just not an easy place to play. I, I I think two wins and a draw out of the next four games is probably good. Yeah, and, and you know, again, given that three of them are at home, you're already conceding <laughs> a, a, a home result. It's it's a tough slate. If if Nashville gets through this with with more than seven points, I think they're making a statement that they want to be at the top of the Eastern Conference. If they make it through with seven points, they I I think that's probably. Gosh, that's that's still impressive. I, th- you know, five points out of out of four games is is not what you you know go to bed dreaming of as a little boy. <laughs> but it is. I think it wouldn't be anything to to be ashamed of after this stretch for young Cincinnati children everywhere pre twenty twenty two. That's exactly what they dreamed of. <laughs> I think five points in four is what happens. I think Toronto's a win. I, I think this is a good matchup for this Nashville team. I don't think it's a clean sheet. I think it's a really fun match. Um, I think it's probably a, a three-one type. Sorry, of win heaters, you don't Nashville. get to use the the video that you post after every clean sheet. <laughs> yeah, I mean you've had a lot of chances though so far. To be fair, <laughs> uh, I think NYCFC. I'm counting it as a loss, and only because it's the first time at Yankee Stadium. It's just a weird pitch. It's small. It is baseball season, of course, and so you've got the the dirt to deal with a little bit. They cover it up, but not not well. Um, I, I just think that's one of those. It's maybe a one nil loss. Even though I would agree with you of these opponents, NYCFC is the one I'd most want to face. Um, and Nashville far outclassed New York City at home. So it is it is a winnable game. Um, I think LAFC and Atlanta at home, I've counted them both as draws, which I think would be good results, as loaded as Atlanta is this year. And LAFC, we know, 
the other uh, piece of this is, you know, continue if you're a Nashville SC supporter rooting for LAFC to win in CCL and stay alive there. It's hard to do okay. both well. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. What's it's that? not at Yankee Stadium. It's not at Yankee Stadium? No, it's at City Field. I, I was like, wait a minute. I remember when, when we put up the schedule. Okay. Well, all right. We're just going to leave all this in because it is still a baseball <laughs> stadium Nashville's playing at. But that is a relief that one of NYCFC's other many other homes will host that. <laughs> part. I should have looked that up beforehand because the Yankees schedule. It's, it's still in a baseball field. so It is. Yeah. It's still in a baseball field. It's still awkward. I think I'll actually leave my points all in except for the fact that NYCFC is built to play specifically for the confines of. of I, don't, I can't think of it. I guess. Who do you think they are the the freaking Chicago Cubs? I can use an NL team now. All right. There you go. I mean, there is an early play. It's pretty rampant these days, yeah. so that's fair. Um, do they I, play? They do that all the time now. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's, it, I, I liked it when it was special, but now pretty much every team plays everybody, and now it's a baseball podcast. Uh, I, I, the <laughs> yeah, baseball podcast where I literally didn't know that happens. <laughs> and I had to ask you how good the Tigers were this year, even though <laughs> that answer is pretty boilerplate by now. <laughs> um, okay. At City Field, but again, awkward yeah. surface, difficult, and NYCFC a little more accustomed to playing there. They they have like eight home stadiums at this point. Anyway, I'll count that as a loss, all that still. LAFC and Atlanta both draws, I think, at home. Uh, if you can steal a win of, of, of those two, awesome, awesome. I think you're playing with house money for the other one then. Uh, but I'll say five points from the next four. So eight from five games in, in this month is is solid. I mean, that's 1.6 points per match. That's still, you know, playoff pace. Uh, even if you feel like you're crawling up the table uh, by not getting as many wins as you like, I think five points is a minimum though. I think you get fewer than that and you're disappointed with the output for, for the month uh, from here. Uh, TJ Bryant, this question is almost entirely a joke, but to add a more legit question, is Gary concerned about the lack of goal scoring from strikers? What can the team do to help CJ Sapong break his scoring drought? Yeah, I uh, so I, I've I've been on this train for a while. I kind of reject the premise. I don't think it needs to be a priority that a striker scores. Nashville just it isn't a team that relies on a striker to score goals. I know that sounds weird, but um, would it be better if he was banging in a few? Of course, but they, they all count for one goal, right? It doesn't matter if, if CJ gets it, Pafafiko gets it, or more likely Hani Mukhtar gets it. They all count for one goal. As long as the striker is doing the things defensively and um, in hold-up play that that help Nashville succeed, it doesn't really matter who the striker is on, or sorry, whether whether the striker is scoring, whoever it is. So, um, yeah, I, I think the the every other year CJ Sapong deal that we hear about from the extra time guys all the all the time in odd numbered years he he scores double digit goals. Uh, he's off to a slow start if that's going to happen. But um, if it does, yes, it helps the team, but I don't think it's necessary for the team to find success. I think that finding a scoring threat at striker enables Nashville to accomplish what we talked about a few minutes ago, which is to win in different different game states than what they're doing uh, and to, to re- truly outscore teams and not just outlast them and in, in counter. I think it, it helps Nashville build better patterns of play when other teams force the boys in goal to break them down. Uh, but that honestly doesn't happen a lot. Um, on the road, Nashville's typically going to be the countering team, and they're getting what they need from those speedy wings and from Hani Mukhtar, so they're probably okay there. And at home, Nashville's largely proven competent at generating enough chances to put themselves in a good position to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, even then, usually conceding the bulk of, of possession, though. Is it important, though, to figure out some time of the season? I think it is. I don't think that Gary Smith is sitting there saying, man, we're screwed over the next five games if 
CJ doesn't start scoring, especially because he's continuing Tim to do what he does so well away from the or away from from the goal, which is to <laughs> to to win the 50-50 duels, to distribute well, to put himself in optimal space to to make plays and, and to help others make plays. So I think striker scoring is a bonus in the near term but is probably a must this season for Nashville, especially because you can predict as much as we would hate to see this happen, that somebody's going to get hurt at some point. I've already seen it with Randall Leal, of course, glad he's working his way toward, toward coming back in for this team, but somebody else is going to get hurt. And it, at some point you're going to need a striker to bang in some goals. And I think that's vital, but I think in the near term, it's, it's nice. It's a bonus. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly understand. Uh, people see a striker and they think this is a guy. This is the guy who scores the goals for the team. I just think the way Nashville is structured to be kind of centered around Honey Mukhtar and to be centered around speedy wingers. If those guys score, you don't need the striker to score. Um, like you mentioned, they won't always score. So so having another scoring option is important. Yeah, I just don't want this team to become cross centric uh, and and to be too reliant on those on those wings. Um, I think again, I think it's it's good unless to have want, a- unless Walker starts playing striker. <laughs> I mean, he's tried before late in yeah. games. He just says, screw it. I'm getting up the pitch. Uh, Wesley Bryant, last question here, which Huntsville slash Academy player makes it to the senior squad first when and why is it because of injury form level of competition, such as an open cup or, or league cup lot done back there. What do you think? Yeah. If it's for a league game, it has to be a guy who's on a first team contract. Uh, we've talked about it before. It's just the way the league rules are structured. Yeah. Um, so that would be Kemi Amish, Ahmed Longmire, Ben Martino, uh, Nabiu Perry, uh, Joey Skinner. And I think you could throw Lawrence Wyke in there too. He's He's been on the bench for Nashville SC a couple times already this year, but his only on-field time has come with Huntsville. So it's got to be one of those guys. Um, you know, like we've mentioned, the uh, the depth situation at center back has has Longmire and Wyke kind of on my, on my radar in terms of who's going to see the field for Nashville SC first, but when you look at cup competitions, I think that's actually where you will see uh, guys who are not signed to first team contracts uh, not not only have the opportunity to play, but I do think you will see some in, in maybe the first open cup game, maybe the third or yeah, sorry, the second group stage game of the of the league's cup, depending on how that goes. Um, I we just talked a lot about strikers. I'd like to see Azad Liadi. He's looked really good yeah. uh, for Huntsville so far this year. He is the type of striker that uh, I think fans like just from an aesthetic standpoint and uh, you know, kind of a, a stronger guy with a rocket shot. Um, n- maybe not necessarily a guy who's going to wow you physically, um, but is a guy who can really get the job done. He's, he's like a poor man's Daryl DK almost, I would say um, I have not evaluated his mummy celebrations yet. That's the second <laughs> Daryl DK mummy celebration. Um, shout out to shout out to Daryl DK yet again. But I, I think when you have the opportunity to try a guy who's already under contract with, uh, your with your organization who could be an upgrade at a position where you could use an upgrade, you got to give him a shot. Um, it, yeah, I, I actually, sorry, I didn't put this in the rundown, which is why I'm, I was almost going to forget to say it. But in terms of the first true academy player to to appear for Nashville Soccer Club, I do not believe it will happen this year. I think it will happen next year. It's got to be either um, uh, forward Adem Sipic or uh, Alejandro Carrillo, the, the center back right. who, um, you know, has, has trained with the first team uh, occasionally as well. That's something that uh, it's going to be 
so freaking awesome when an academy kid Can't plays wait. on the first team. I'm so excited for it. I'm getting excited now, even seeing them in the 11 or even on the bench for Huntsville right now. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's neat to follow their their growth, and I would agree it's it's still a ways away, and that's okay. It's not a statement to their quality. It's a, it's the desire to get them experience. In terms of of a a Nashville SC roster player who's in Huntsville getting up, I you know I think you know ideally Ahmed Longmire has a a, a Jack Mayer progression, uh, and it's going to probably go slower than Mayer of getting the the second or in this case third tier minutes like Mayer did in San Diego, seeing the game well, developing confidence. We saw a different player in Jack Mayer pre San Diego loan and post when he came in and started immediately and and thrived for this team. So I think that's an ideal scenario. I think Lawrence White may be a little more likely in a situation where Nashville's up and they need to throw center backs at the game late. Uh, Josh Bauer comes in and maybe White comes in too. And they just have, you know, especially when they're, when they're short a man with Walker likely called up to gold cup uh, this summer, maybe that's when you see them play, but I don't think we see significant contributions, at least in the first half of the season from anybody who's been, yeah, playing for Huntsville at this point. Speaking of speaking of Nashville Loney's playing in San Diego, isn't that where Longmire's red card and suspension came last year? That's I correct. think it was. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, let's go outside in. Russell Rowe, here's an opportunity for four around the keeper. It's Yaya With a goal at his mercy, he makes no mistake. Apple TV brings you one of many goals from Columbus over the past two weeks. They've scored 10 in their last two matches, six against a depleted Atlanta side at home. It's almost unfair because Atlanta was without like eight guys due to international break. Another four goals, though, this past weekend against RSL. Tim, is this just advantageous timing and, and, you know, playing the right opponents at the right time? Or do you think the crew look legit at this point? Yeah, they look legit. Um Man, has there has there been a a stark uh, Wilfred Nancy upgrade right uh, over over Caleb Porter? They look awesome. Obviously, they've had some of the guys who are who are really excelling. Um, Cucho and and uh, Zellerian are not new to this club, but they have absolutely been on a tear. I think coming into the year, uh, the crew kind of kind of featured as a as a a trendy pick for people who kind of saw the core that they had last year, despite the fact that um, the, the season didn't turn out the way that they were expecting for it to add Wilfred Nancy and, and, and everybody kind of liked them. I think they've even outperformed that, that expectation. So it'll be a pretty uh, tough task when Nashville plays them <laughs> either home or away. That's yeah, two straight wins for Columbus. Now 15 goals, most in major league soccer tied with St. Louis and that Columbus fourth in the table, Nashville C fifth, but on the same number of points at 10 uh going to ccl briefly union beat atlas overnight on a late penalty uh, a man up for most of the second half and lafc takes on vancouver tonight unfortunately uh the semifinal would feature the winner of union atlas against the winner of lafc in vancouver so we would not see an mls first mls final that'd be unlikely anyway i guess what are the odds that an mls team gives us a repeat ccl champ what are the odds that either lafc or philly outside outside shot vancouver get that done uh i think it's i think it's possible when um it kind of goes back to to the last question that wesley asked in the mailbag is uh how can you uh use your depth over the course of a season and the union is the team in this in this entire country that is the best suited to be in multiple competitions 
um, I, I believe Quinn Sullivan, uh, not my daughter, the the Philadelphia <laughs> Union player, uh, got got a pretty good run out last night. And this dude hardly ever plays in league games. They have the opportunity to go out and and you, they are beating a Liga MX team while running out a, a 17 year old player. That's something that nobody else in this league really has the luxury of doing. LAFC is probably closest. Yeah. LAFC's first team is obviously much stronger, I would say, than the Union's. The reason that these two teams are are perennially, I guess I will say, near the top of their respective conferences is is because they are kind of doing it in different ways. LAFC overwhelming you at the top, Union being able to roll through depth without much drop off. I think if you want to if you want to say odds, I think uh, you probably have a. I'm going to say a a, a a better than 50-50 shot of of one of these three teams winning a final, if, uh, assuming that Union holds on against Atlas. Uh, the winner of the LAFC Vancouver game will obviously come <laughs> be an MLS team either way. I, I'm going to say 60% chance that a MLS team takes home CCL. Ooh, 60%. I like that. That's it, I mean, that's I'm I'm assuming basically 100% Union over Atlas. And then you're guaranteed an MLS team into the into the final, right? Because it's yep. the semifinals all MLS. So yep. I think uh, just slightly better than a coin flip chance to win that game, whoever okay. it is. I'll go slightly less than Vancouver. a coin flip. If, yeah. if Vancouver beats LAFC, I, I reserve the right to revise that. Yeah, percent. we'll both be changing that. I'll say 40%. I'll say a little less than a coin flip, only because the teams on the other side are, are pretty formidable. Leon's going to get through. They beat. Never heard of him. Uh, they're, they're good. It's Lion, <laughs> actually, in Spanish. Oh, okay. The Nino. Um, uh, Leon, 5-0 winners over Violette, doing what Austin somehow couldn't do. Uh, so they're going to win that. Uh, whatever happens in the second leg, they're going to advance, you would think. And then T-Grace on the other side, taking on Motagua. Um, Tigers. Lions and Tigers. And, and Bears. LAFC, Lions. oh my. Yep, got it. Uh, <laughs> um, I, on, on the real, though, um, T-Grace is, is probably the individual favorite yeah. in this tournament because Union and LAFC is you know the, I, even though I picked whoever the winner of that game is to to beat uh, probably Tigres, I I would say uh, that that Union and LAFC is probably a fifty fifty battle at this stage. So we'll see. Uh, speaking of Leon and Tigres, Lions and Tigers, we have associate producer Cameron getting ready to head to uh, to the zoo. Uh, so you may hear a little nice. color commentary. I, love the zoo. I go to the zoo all the time. Uh, man, we love it. San Diego Zoo is great. Uh, Nashville Zoo also tremendous, and uh, they're looking forward to a nice nice trip over there. Um, the Rocket City space quickly, uh, 2-1 loss to Orlando this past weekend. Uh, so two points after two matches, uh, again, the two points coming from a, a PK win, which gets you the extra point after a draw. Hmm. Noah Zadliati in this one, he was not on the bench either. Zubak, uh, earns a start up top, which I think is a great example of how Nashville wants to use Huntsville to yeah. help the first team and get minutes for guys who, you know, would, would otherwise be sitting on the bench. Lawrence Wyke also earning a start. Other than that. Anything I believe can... I believe Elliot Panico did too. He, yes, he did. Great catch. Yeah. So Panico has now started once here in in two games uh, as well. This is what Nashville's needed. It's what they've wanted. They don't have to ship a player off to San Diego, as we mentioned earlier. They can send him down to Huntsville and have him back up and even on the bench for a first team home game quite easily, or in this case, a trip uh, to Orlando. Uh, Anything we can take from these first two matches on the pitch, players that, that stand out to you, any themes that are starting to emerge? Um, not really. It's it's pretty interesting to me that they uh, Huntsville seems to be playing a similar style to Nashville SC, but they're much more open. They they do have the same kind of tactical approach, but they they are playing more end to end games, and some of that is just level of play. There are going to be turnovers and and kind of boots up field, but um, 
when you look at at what the results have been, I'm not that I'm not honestly not that interested in the results. Um, I'm interested in, in kind of the process. And so far, the process looks like you know I don't think Azad Liadi is going to play for Nashville SC um, tomorrow. Uh, I, I believe I've already placed a prediction about, about when he will play for Nashville SC. In fact, but um, getting getting minutes not just for guys who are are on Nashville's bench, but who could be Nashville players in the in the future is something that. Um, is has gone really well so far. If Nashville does struggle this month to score against some good competition, predictions for how long it takes for Azad Liadi to be the most popular player in Nashville SC Twitter. <laughs> I, I, he's probably already there. <laughs> <laughs> he's up there. We're seeing your tweets and, and excited to see him continue to uh, to develop. Next up for Huntsville Cincy on Sunday, 4 p.m. Central. And uh, by the way, you can find these matches on MLS Season Pass. At this point, I've not been able to find them on demand. I don't know if you can watch after the fact or any of yeah, that they, stuff. I, At least you can they, watch that has been a persistent complaint is that yeah. they are not available for replay. And and hopefully, you know, again, as as the diehards are paying for this product and not just relying on the free platform, hopefully that's something that that can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know there are a million things that they're they're working on here behind the scenes to get Apple TV and, and MLS season pass up to snuff. And hopefully that's one of them. Final whistle. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Mike Meredith for a one point win over me in uh, MLS <laughs> fantasy, sending Ooh, me to four and fantasy. two. And once again, Tim's going to check his. And it, but but our our condolences for his dear alma mater falling in the NCAA basketball. We're championship. still not talking about FAU. We're not talking about that <laughs> here because they eliminated the Vols, and I'm not ready. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, really, was was rooting uh, for FAU to to keep the run going. Uh, it was in San Diego to watch the Aztecs lose uh, in the final. But that was that was disappointing for them. I don't really here at that point I, I won my bracket contest i'm good this is the san diego episode of the show i think apparently it the is san diego episode shout you, out to ron burgundy you stay classy <laughs> um content recommendations for you anything that you've uh, been able to consume lately that you want to pass along to the lovely folks yeah um i just want to pass along a, a podcast i i am totally blanking on the name of it <laughs> from john muller who's whose work we've recommended before in teoto football um, they have a podcast that uh, is essentially reviewing the the history of soccer analytics and and the like blog style analytics that um, you know from the beginning of of data being widely available to to where we are today and how some of these things have developed. Um, it's it's a it's a pretty interesting podcast. It would be awesome if I could type a little bit faster so I could <laughs> tell you what it's called. <laughs> uh, the Postscript Podcast. Ah, um, okay. check it out. I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to mark that in my podcast app. I've got a couple for you. Number one, the magic of the U.S. Open Cup has returned. And we are at the round where a lot of uh, second tier teams, a lot of USL teams are taking on lower tier opponents. The biggest disappointment to me is that Chattanooga Red Wolves are not playing a local derby against Chattanooga FC. Uh, Chattanooga FC having to go to Des Moines instead. Uh, but, but it's a lot of fun that to start. Menacing. Nicely done. <laughs> Nicely done. Um yeah, it's it, that's all I got. Watch the US yeah. Open Cup. Uh, it, it, there are some live streams that are available. If you if you follow a good friend of the show uh, who we've interviewed before. On oh, here, Josh McCullough. Thank you. I uh, just blanked for a second there. Uh, 
he, he covers this thing. Uh, just follow at US Open Cup on Twitter. It's not the official account. It's his, and it's great. And he will send you the streams when they're available. Memphis with a win over Knoxville just before penalties were to happen last night. It's a lot of fun if you're a soccer sicko like we are. And, of course, Nashville SC soon to enter the competition, so you can do a little potential scouting, take a close look at, at teams in this region as those ties are typically regional, especially early in the competition. So we could see a Nashville versus Memphis a Nashville versus the Chattanooga or Birmingham. Uh, it could be a lot of fun. Huntsville, by the way, not eligible for the U S open cup because they are a second side of an MLS team. Uh, so my first recommendation there is, is that just follow at U S open cup, look at some live streams, a lot of games played uh, on Tuesday night, more coming on Wednesday uh, and uh, get ready for the draw for the next round. And then on a more serious note, Really appreciated um, the conversation on lamestream sports this past Friday that that came out. Uh, again, weekly podcast on Friday, Braden Gall, Steve Cavendish covering the media landscape, uh, Nashville happenings. They've had some very substantive episodes, but this one, of course, a difficult listen, an important listen as they talk to a couple of journalists in the community about coverage of the Covenant School tragedy. Um, it was um, it was really, a, I think, a thought provoking episode to understand how that coverage unfolded in real time, but also to get their thoughts on how we can respond as a city and as individuals, um, even throughout this episode. And of course, throughout this week, those families and the Nashville community have been very close to our hearts and uh, we, we continue to give our support and love and advocacy um, continue to call now, especially state representatives state senators to demand accountability um, to constituents and to keeping keeping us safe. And uh, I, I thought that conversation on lamestream did a great job. Not they didn't spend much time on their own opinions, although they gave thoughtful takes at the end. But it was more the discussion of how mm-hmm. you process this as journalists while staying true to key you know, ethical principles of journalism. And I thought it was a nuanced and, and substantive discussion. Yeah. And um, obviously, uh the 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 pain is not going away uh in a week no. um our our dms are open i, I know many of you have uh, already reached out to me and and we've we've chatted over dm my dms are open if anybody wants to talk about some of that sort of stuff um it's uh, like i've said to each and every one of you it's not fun but it's necessary to to have somebody who can who can um you know be an ear or 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 uh, kind of help out in any way i can we are here, and we know many of you are are close with families of, of folks who you know experience this firsthand. Uh, we encourage encourage you guys and remind ourselves to continue to reach out. It, 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 the week after such an event, they get I'm sure bombarded with folks sending their love, and we've seen the community come together. But as you mentioned, Tim, the pain's not going away um, it, ever for, for these families, and continuing to check in and be a part of their lives uh, is, is vital uh, moving forward here, especially as things get lonelier um, and, and, you know, global attention and even Tennessee's attention get distracted elsewhere. Uh, hate to have to close on that note, but it can, it really important to continue to, to talk about that and lend our support and love. And again, advocacy toward changing something, something. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to ML Rose for the sponsorship. Hope to see some of you there this weekend. Again, get there early. It's going to be crowded. Thanks to Moon Taxi for the music. Uh, before you get out of here, I know the music's starting because I'm the editor and I'm editing it in right now. Uh, hop on Apple Podcasts and give us a quick rating. And, and if you are so inclined, also a review. 
even if it's as short as, hey, great show, or hey, these guys don't always suck, whatever whatever you're, you feel led to say, along with hopefully a five-star rating, that's going to help the Nashville community continue to see us and and grow. The podcast is growing every week. We've seen that happen and, and want that to, to continue so that this community can get even bigger. Uh, tell a friend about us. Follow us each on Twitter. Tim, anything else before we head out today? Nope. Uh, looking forward to, to uh, another big week of, of Major League Soccer Soccer. MajorLeagueSoccerSoccer.com. It's going to be fun, and I uh, can't wait to see what Nashville can do against Toronto. It should be a, a high-flying match, and now that I say that, it's going to be a scoreless draw. Uh, thanks <laughs> to the 440 Sports Network for the platform to discuss and build a community, and we'll talk to you next week.